Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. Center, it sounds very huge and elevated, and that's what it feels like. Like once you're working there, because rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical theater. It was about something that shook musical theater. People are becoming more and more comfortable with, you know, issue of people being different. I mean, we do it all. I mean, you know, we don't we don't back away from anything. Welcome to Broadway Bullet, Volume 321 for September 24th, 2009. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and this is Part 3 of our extensive New York Musical Theatre Festival coverage, which runs from September 28th through October 18th. You can find out more at nymf.org. Also, if uh, you're just getting this episode, you might want to also know that we put up two episodes this week. Uh, we uh, 320 was our backstage coverage of the New York It Awards. And uh, if your you know, podcatcher is set up to only receive the most recent episode and you didn't check you know, in a couple days, you might have only gotten one episode. So be sure you check that out. A lot of great interviews in there, including Austin Pendleton and, uh, and a lot more. Uh, still a little fried here. My podcast is late last night, which reminds me I've got to thank somebody that I really, really forgot and should have thanked on the episode that I put out yesterday for the It Awards. And that was Deanna Martin. Uh, she was my right-hand woman at the whole thing last night. She, <laughs> If any of you have listened to more than <clears throat> a few episodes, you know that my bugaboo can tend to be names. I'm just really awful with names. Even just, you know, meeting one or two interviews a day can throw me. So, you know, meeting 40 people backstage can be crazy. And she did a fantastic job of getting me all the names and all the pronunciations and on a nice card written in front of me to, and roping everybody in and out. And I... Uh, I think it went with Naria Hiccup, and it was really a lot thanks to her. So, Deanna Martin, I'm so sorry I didn't thank you last night when I was putting the episode together in my exhaustion, but uh, it was a big help. Well, after that note, uh, back to this episode, we've got six shows from the New York Musical Theatre Festival, including uh, live in-studio performances from the musicals Red and Rainbow Around the Sun. We're also going to hear from My Scary Girl, Under Fire, Lighter, and Max Understood. So uh, sit back, enjoy the ride, and hop on the Broadway bullet. On the boards. Evidently, according to studies, redheads may be extinct by 2100, and this is of great concern to me, uh, (laughs) though I don't know if I expect to live to 2100. (laughs) But uh, Katie Thompson, who's been on the show before, also found this very disconcerting and proceeded to write music and lyrics for a show called Red. Red! A secret musical playing October 1st through 3rd at the New York Musical Theater Festival. She's joined here in the studio with uh, producer Shay Sullivan and director Andy Sandberg. How you guys doing? We're good. good. Michael, how are you? Good. You want to introduce yourself so people can connect your name with your voice? Sure. I'm Shay Sullivan, the producer of Red. I'm Katie. No, I'm Katie Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Were you mimicking me? I'm Katie Thompson. No, that was just funny. <laughs> I'm Andy Sandberg, the director of Red. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you're that Katie, you're also going to do some uh, 
for some performances from the show. But uh, as we get into there, first, kind of what I'm uh, telling everybody is, uh, Andy, I'm going to ask you, what's your 15-second elevator pitch? You hop onto an elevator, you got 15 seconds to convince somebody why they should come see the show. Go. This is a hilarious, amazing show about redheads fighting back against redhead extinction. I don't know what else you need to know because that's awesome in itself. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Thanks. I practiced so these. I didn't really? know about this. <laughs> wow, I didn't either. All right. So, Shay, what, what got you involved as a producer with this? Uh, well, you're, I, you're actually uh, quite a choreographer yourself. I know I saw your work in Dance Break last yes. year. So thank you. Yes, my, mainly I've uh, you know been choreographer for about ten years now, and over the last four or five years have been um, producing new works. And Katie and I work together. I, I work with Katie as uh, when, in her singing and songwriting career as a pop uh, singer songwriter as um, as a producer of her new album, and also um, work with Katie as a manager. And I. Kept we would be out different places and I would hear these songs and I kept saying now where what's that from I, I these this great all these great songs I that I didn't even songs. she has secret songs that's why she's a secret <laughs> musical but I kept I kept hearing these songs and I so anyway was inquiring and she mentioned that she had written this show uh, Rear Red and I want to say it like differently like every you five seconds if the listener's confused it's because on your postcard it is spelled R period R period R period do you want to know e what period, it stands for? Period. I'd like to say what it sounds okay, for because I practiced okay. the real revolutionary no the yes, real that's right, that's right. Red, redhead's first the real Red. Redhead, revolutionary, evolutionary, defiance. Well, I'm Good glad the producer I knows and not said. the writer. Yeah, me too. So just to wrap that up, I had heard it was, the material sounded fascinating to me. The music was is incredible. The the subject matter, and that's why I got involved in the show. So I believe in it. And redheads. <laughs> Somebody's phones buzzing. buzzing. So Katie, tell us a little yeah. bit more about the actual the show itself of Red. Red. Um, my. It was an idea that was given to me for my birthday. Happy From, birthday, redheads yeah. are going to no, be extinct. No, seriously. He, he sent me an email and said, he sent me a book with like redheaded photos in it. And he said, this, we should make a musical about this. And then I, I did. And then he helped me. And then me and my co-writer and co-star Patrick Livingston, um, we started improving on the subject. Because it was a secret meeting. So it was really easy to go from subject to subject. Um, like the whole thing starts with this thing called the rules. But the only rule is to have a lot of sex with, lot, with redheaded people so you can procreate. And we just kept, we just kept yep, there's improving. There's a whole song about that. There's a whole song about that. The rules. Teaches you the rules. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's how it started. I, I wrote it with my one friend, Adam Jackman, and then I started improving with Patrick Livingston. And then we combined, and now we've written the book. <laughs> it's a real book. It's a real story. We're doing a real show. You know, well, one thing I don't think a lot of towheads understand is that we really do feel like a minority. I know. <laughs> True. Toe no, that's a real thing. No, in in that's Europe, there's, a, there's like ginger. Yep. Yeah, that's what, that's what we meant. That was a blonde moment right there. Wow. Oh, the blonde. Here. We can hear the blonde over the radio. Wow. And, you know, in, in England, a ginger, I forgot what they call it. I want to say ginger vitus, but that's just funny. Um, <laughs> ginger <laughs> New song. Ginger snatch. I know, right? <gasps> hey, ginger snatch. That's what I said. Oh, God. Oh, Sorry. God. This is going downhill. <laughs> downhill mass, Michael. Anyway, it's a real thing. It's, it's a real, like, prejudice in Europe. I, I, everyone always sends me all kinds of news articles about the whole thing. Yeah. Really? It's sad. Some oh. people are racist. Others are colorist. That's right. 
We use that in our show, too. I stole that from the writers. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, before we continue, do you want to perform your first song here, Katie? Yes. This is, um, this is called Silence is Red. The, the, the character that I play, Victoria, no one believes her that there is this other society called the many out there that are trying to get us, that are trying to bring us down. And so I fire my cohort and I sing this song to explain to everybody about what has happened to me. <laughs> All right, you ready to sing? Yeah, let's sing. <laughs> Just a little warning to tell you what's up. There's no harm in harming a lie. There are those who want us to simply shut up. Kick the horse and let the dog die. But silence isn't golden anymore. We must be sirens of light. And we will fight them. We will be Time silence is red. Just a light reminder to always take care when a stranger's buying the drinks. Never say I love you and don't ever share cheesy fries or buffalo wings. Because you'll wake in the morning with your hair on the flooring of a den or a tough shed in hell. And when you realize the worst, you'll be shaken, not stirred with a choice to use your voice. Because silence isn't golden anymore. We must be Read you all the warnings, put all the signs up. Now you know what's waiting for you. Be brave and find an ally, a friend you can trust. He will love and look out for you. Okay, so the musical itself is a secret society. So how do how do you frame this? How do you, how do you work this with the audience? Well, most of the music, actually, I want to say all the music is born out of the presentation. Like like I, it's a like an AA meeting meets Amway <laughs> for redheads. For redheads, yeah. seriously, it's 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 secret, and you're not supposed to tell anybody because and you the audience. We make sure that the audience knows that they're they need to keep their wigs on so that anybody can come see our show and we can make fun of blondes and brunettes and they won't feel bad about it. 
because for two hours or however long, oh, an hour and a half, mm. our, <laughs> sorry, our <laughs> audience members are redheads. No matter what color skin or hair color they have, everybody's a redhead. So that gives us a lot of license. And then every single, we call them instructional musical tutorial lessons. And so ITMLs. I- ITMLs. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, and that's where all the music comes from. It's to teach because it's shown that redheads, because they're more creative, learn best through song. Redheads are more creative? What are you That's to say? what we said in the mm. show. Oh, okay. <laughs> For the purposes of that hour and a half. For the purposes of the hour and a half, there's a lot of stuff that we say, the big generalizations. Every, like, we, I think that we do a pretty good, like, across the board make fun of every kind of person in the world, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly. Yeah, I mean, they, clearly. Try, they try to neglect <laughs> poor Carrot Top. <laughs> oh! Andy and his Andy Carrot Top. We secretly top. think that Andy just is in love with Carrot Top. <laughs> there might be. What? <laughs> it's true. How do you do a show about redheads without sticking in some Carrot, carrot He top. gets one line, unless he wants to be a guest artist. I mean, what? Then he'll get Uh-oh. More. Secret. Oops, secret. Secret. Sorry. We have Sorry. a celebrity guest spot that happens in the show. And but it's a secret because it's a secret musical. So is it Gary Coleman? Oh, <laughs> at, well, you know, Avenue Q already has Gary very busy. So you laugh, but I well. Yeah. We went after Gary we Coleman. He said no. I've stopped his agent. It's not going well. Yeah, his agents tried to just stick Carrot Top on us. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Everybody just. Wants I know us he's to out there carrot listening. Top. Carrot, carrot Top, please. This come is the down Red Hat Theater. Come take some photos with us backstage. <laughs> oh, that'd be we great. will get it. We will get it all over the place. Oh we'll bring you carrots. Andy oh, can't be what? stopped. <laughs> he loves Carrot Top. <laughs> all right. So you ready for your next song, Katie? Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? This sing? is called. What good's a blonde anyway? Are you making fun of Cher? I was just going to say, which I have proven in this, in this song interview. to be true. No, in I, it's, it's why, it's what they have done to us. Why do we even care about blondes? I mean, what, this is what they've done. All right. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. They can't drive. They hurt my eyes. They try so hard to see the bright side. They drink too much and most are sluts anyway. Hey, hey, what good's a blonde anyway? They all smoke, this I know, cause they don't age well. They wrinkle and swell and they all speak in a little girl squeak. But that's okay, hey, 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 what good's a blonde anyway? And if we all look back at the blondes we have known, you'll remember they never say thank you, no, no. They take all your money, call you sweetie and honey, then they got you and never say, please, just, I need or I bleed or Get off of me. They talk smack, the filthy white trash. They won't bat an eye, sealing none off your lap or your bed at night. Those little asshole wipes gotta pay. What good's a blonde anyway? What good's a blonde? It's okay. Hey, hey. What good's a blonde anyway? 
So is this song a way to get revenge on your uh, producer or manager? <laughs> no. No, there are other songs no. out there for that. <laughs> That's true. Um, no, I um, I wrote this song. Actually, most of the, the blonde and the brunette song, I have to admit, I just started going to bars and I used to, I always write at bars in a coffee shop you just started going to bars specifically for the no, purpose specifically of for this. writing a blonde and a brunette no. <laughs> uh, no, otherwise no. I don't but that's the only reason those. she would go but to the bar but the coolest <laughs> stuff comes from drunk people when they when I ask them about well how do you feel about blondes you know and they always say the regular stuff which is they're stupid or they don't or they have so much fun or they're sluts or whatever but um <laughs> So, but I just started taking pages of notes for drunk people and friends and family who just said, "Oh, this is this." I've dated a blonde before, or and brunettes too. I just started taking pages and pages of notes where people would just scream out these crazy, crazy things. But the one thing I do have to say about the blonde and the brunette song that I, as the writer, think is funny and nobody else has caught on to, is this: <laughs> in every single version of the song, I accuse blonde and brunettes of being sluts. And, and in our show, <laughs> the whole show is about redheads being sluts. <laughs> oh, we caught on. We to caught it. on. You did? Okay, good. Because we... nobody said anything about it. I'm well. like, I think I'm still clever. Well, well now you not. just announced it to everybody <laughs> on Broadway Bullet. Yes. Yes, I've made that announcement. It didn't ruin the show. It's that's not, true. No, it doesn't ruin no. the secret. Yeah, a secret. True. Carrot top. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> he's gonna hear this. Good. I know he is, and he's gonna come get us. Good. Good. Now this has actually been in development for a while, hasn't it? Or have you already performed it a lot of places? Because I think I've seen this image from the postcard like for a couple that's of years. That's a picture. Yeah, that's a out. picture that Patrick and I we we went out with his wife, and we started taking pictures with a towel and a broomstick because we just needed stuff. We needed people to want to do our play, so we decided that we were gonna take <laughs> it was the broomstick that it was got a, me on board. <laughs> So we dressed up and we just we went around with the camera and his poor wife had to traipse around Hoboken. That's a real picture. There's no green screen. There's no, and he, you know, screwed around with it on on Photoshop and yeah. And the show has a bit of a cult following out in Los Angeles. Yeah, it actually it's, got yeah. some uh, nice mentions out there. And I, when I was last out there, a bunch of friends were sort of raving about it who I would never have expected to have heard about it. So yeah, there are a lot of people in L.A. when they came to see, when we, came, we were workshopping in L.A., a lot of people were really surprised that they liked a musical. That's, that's what I can say, is that, is that if Well, they think a musical people, is Twilight. <laughs> Which would make a great musical, by the way. That's next The year. soundtrack sold 2.2 million. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a musical. So wow. we actually, the writers and I actually were trying to figure out, like, a title for it. We'd be like, Red, the Not a Musical, or... Because it's very, as I said, it's it's a very different kind of musical. A secret musical. It's a secret. secret musical. All right, so where can people find this secret musical? Well, <laughs> they can find the secret musical as a part of the New York Musical Theater Festival, October 1st through the 3rd at the 45th Street Theater. And to get tickets for this, you 45th can go. 45th Street Theater does yeah. have a very secret society it, kind it of does. vibe it has to a real, it. it has a we are <laughs> we are excited about that space for this show. It really feels like we're in an underground place. <laughs> They're also selling booze in the lobby. Oh, so good, if anyone needs good. to wet their palate. <laughs> but we only have four performances, yes. and they're actually uh, well, actually Shay would know better than I would. They're selling. They're selling close to sold very out. yes, close to sold out. So if you please, you know, hop online www.nymf.org for your tickets. We have an eight o'clock performance on the first, and we have an one o'clock, and then an eleven o'clock p.m. performance, which is great on Friday night the second, and another eleven p.m. performance on the third. And you can also visit our show's website yes. at uh, redthemusical.com. That's R. R-R-R-E-D, themusical.com. 
No periods between the R's. <laughs> no, exactly. The and, you know, I wanted to mention we have the cast is fantastic. It's not only is it Katie Thompson and her writing partner, one of her writing partners, Patrick Livingston, but we also have Kathy Deitch. Yes. That we know from Wicked. She's amazing. Who is fantastic. Who's fantastic. And hilarious. And, and hilarious. Awesome. And then Nathan Balzer, who just closed in 40, uh, not 42nd Street. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, not 42nd wow. Street. Wow. 9 to 5, not even close. He yet, just closed 9 to 5? He just closed he 9 to 5. It was his fault. He <laughs> also closed it. Oh. Basically, Alice and Jenny is <laughs> Also close Wiggly Blonde, this, yes. but um, we got him, which is the silver lining there. Yes, and um, but it's a fantastic cast, and like we said, also the celebrity guest secret, secret yes. cameo. Yes, mm. so that's our show. Is it is it New York from I Love New York? <gasps> that would be so great. But she's really busy right now, trying yeah, to get no. a job or something. Isn't it like I Love New York gets a job now or something? No, what? I don't know. Somebody said that there's a new show about sh- how she's out trying to get it. They'll give anyone a show. Hey, if she, anyone wants to give us a show, she's so sweet. I think she's a sweet woman. Is that a weird thing to say on the air? When I watch, I don't even know who this is. I, my oh, roommate Andy, watches Andy. that show, and when I watch other things she's in, I just think she's a sweetheart. Is that a weird thing to say? She got a cray cray mom though. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been rehearsing with you people all day. When are you watching television? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I don't. Yeah, we don't watch You're TV. Right. Right. All right. Well, we got to wrap this up. Okay. But uh, read a secret musical October first through third at r r r e d themusical.com for more information. Katie Thompson, Shay Sullivan, and Andy Sandberg. Thanks for coming on board. Sure. Thank, Thank you. Best of luck. <laughs> on the boards. A rock concept album turned into an independent film has now been adapted as a stage musical. Rainbow Around the Sun is playing at Nymph from October 5th to the 17th. And we have composer actor Matthew Alvin Brown and music director Nathan Seiler here to, you know, uh, tell us about the show. And they're going to perform a number as well. How are you guys doing? Very well, thanks. Fantastic. You want to introduce yourself so people can connect your uh, name with your voice? Sure. This voice belongs to Matthew Brown. And this voice is the voice of Nathan Seiler. All right. So I'm making everybody do this. Uh, First, Nathan, Mm -hmm. 15-second elevator pitch for Rainbow Around the Sun. Meet somebody in the elevator. you got 15 seconds till they get off on their floor to tell them why they should come see the show. Uh, They should come to see it because they probably, if they like good rock music, uh, okay, this is the person in the elevator. Uh, hello, elevator person. Uh, come to the show. Did you ever like uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall? Did you ever like those great concept albums of the 70s and early 80s? Well, this musical is based on a concept album that's on the stage now, and it really rocks. Um, it's, it's coming from rock music into theater and not the other way around. Well, what if they say, no, I like Jeremiah's birthday sex on the radio? You're not going to like that. (laughs) (laughs) This is not for you. Please don't come. (laughs) All right, same thing. Matthew, your 15-second elevator pitch. Okay. Hey, do you like rock music? Do you like theater? Do you like theater with, like, real rock music? Then come see Rainbow Around the Sun. I, I promise you'll like it. And if they say no, I say, well, come anyway. We would like your money. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now, not limited to 15 seconds, what is Rainbow Around the Sun? Uh, Well, uh, like you said, Rainbow Around the Sun started off as a concept album that that I uh, wrote and and had uh, my good friend here, Nathan Seiler, uh, arrange and produce uh, album style. And then our band, the Fellowship Students, played the the record. And it was uh, just kind of a concept album dealing with some things that were happening um, personally in my life. And uh, basically just wanted to make a, a really good sort of 
theatrical uh, listening experience, and then it, it turned into a film. Uh, my friends uh, Bo Leland and Kevin Ely uh, said, "Hey, let's make it into a film," and we, they created a, a story that sort of you know was one step above the concept album which just was a loose story and then they created a story and we made the film and then Nick Demas said hey he's the director of the play he said hey let's turn this into a stage show which I think is sort of where it belongs because it is based and it came out of a band you know so um, we're a live band playing this rock story and we got Tom Stewart to write the book um, for it and uh, it's it's a it's a musical about a, basically finding yourself through loss uh, losing everything to find out who you are and and picking yourself up and going about your life so what are your challenges found in keeping the music you know authentic and rock and still hitting the dra- dramatic and emotional arcs needed for musical theater um, I think we're going to take our cues more from live bands. And then, um, you know, we have, since it is theater, the challenge is uh, getting the right volume. Because when you go and see a rock band, a lot of times the, the vocals and other things are really difficult to hear words. and That's, that's just bad mixing. That's not... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, it can be just bone-shatteringly loud and then just your ears are bleeding and can't hear anyway. But... Um, the story has to come through, but yet we have to maintain that same energy. Um, and also, uh, the album is so broadly um, arranged with uh, strings and brass and, and other things like that that we had to really translate it for more keyboard parts for the stage. So, um, But it, it's great. It belongs there on stage. It belongs as a live rock and roll band. And like uh, Matthew said, it's a... Uh, it's a story about a guy in a band, so the band is very much a part of the show. It is the show, basically, is what Nick, our director, said. So, um, yeah, it's it's really cool, and, and uh, it's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go further, uh, the two of you are going to play a song here live for us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the song that you're going to sing here? Sure. The tune is called Miles Around, and in the play, it's uh, sung by uh, this character, Zach, the lead character, and his girlfriend, Gina. Uh, in this setting, it's going to be sung by Nathan and Matthew. Uh, so it'll take on a, a different sort of context, but in the play, um, a context that will appeal to many theater goers. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. As, as if the title alone didn't. Right. This, uh, yeah, no. Um, in, in in the play, um, Zach uh, is, Zach is kind of a screw up. Zach is a, is a, a big old drinker, and he's wound up in the clink. And uh, the Gina, clink. Yes. Is that a current modern term? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I haven't heard that. We're going back to the thirties. <laughs> now you're on the trolley. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Jacob. And then there's a, and, and then and there's then, this fun romantic comedy wackiness that gets in the way, right? It's or, hilarious. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> After yeah. landing in the clink, she wonders, <laughs> should, should I take him out of the clink? <laughs> and wonders if it's really even worth. Uh, Hanging around with this cat, but it's a it's a it comes at a really great um, point in the show. And Nathan Seiler here has done a bang up job arranging this tune. I think it's going to be one of the most exciting tunes in the in the uh, in the play. Uh, when you hear it today, when we play it in the future, here in a moment, <laughs> um, uh, it's it's us on the guitar. But um, it's a very exciting moment in the play. I was very happy to hear when we did it. we we sort of went through it and. 
That's going to be great. And I, I just wanted to step in, and, and I have to give some mad props to our buddies and the fellowship students who uh, um, they helped develop some of the big juggernaut numbers of this uh, show. Uh, Jacob Buchanan, our drummer, um, and our friend Stephen Stark, they both had great contributions to the to the music and to the development of it. So, guys, we miss you. We miss you hard. <laughs> <laughs> Love you long time. <laughs> All right, got your guitars ready to play? Yes. Oh, yeah, I think so. Let me just tune up real quick. Okay. One thing, knowing another You can go your whole life thinking one thing Knowing another It's an exhausting process And it can bring you down Don't let it cause every Everybody feels it for miles around You can take another punch to the face End up a hero You can take one more punch to the face End up a hero an exhausting process It can bring you down But don't let it cause Everybody feels it for miles around So give us a blanket We're going to bed The person in charge Turn up the speakers Turn out the lights Surround us with people It helps us sleep well at night We can stay safe, yeah But we must stay together
so how has the process been you know, along the way? Is this something that, uh, were you prepared for everything that's involved with getting a musical up? No. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, the whole process happened really fast because we had done the film and we'd gone sort of all over the place, you know, different film festivals. And uh, then we were, uh, we entered this, this nymph thing and, and my God, I mean, Tom wrote this book in, I mean, it seemed like two days. I mean, he just whipped it out and it was great. And we got in and uh, and it's just been like a... It's been like a snowball just sort of chasing us, and we're, we're ready for it. But yeah. we, I didn't know – I mean, I didn't know a year ago that we were going to be doing this play up here. I mean, uh, absolutely, absolutely not. We yeah, sort of put it to bed, I feel like. Exactly, and that's the thing that I've, I felt about the album. We spent a lot of time, and I thought it was a great album. And then I, what, what was going to happen with it is it was going to, to be – a, an album that would would do well and uh, would just be something a little bit different with its theatricality and its rock mixture, but it was like a rippling effect. It's like, oh, there's a film now. Uh, we're doing a film, and the film turned out wonderful. Traveled all the fest- film festivals, and Bo Leland and Kevin Ely did a great job. And then I just get this email saying we're in Nymph, and I'm like, when is this thing gonna stop? <laughs> what is it gonna be next? Is it pantomime like? Tour or something like that. I, I said it was going to be a, a coloring book. Oh, can't wait! I think it's going to be a coloring I book. I cannot next. wait. But like we said, I mean, this to me feels like where where the piece needs to exist and be. And so I, I feel so excited that we're going to be able to, to do this, you know, as a as a live rock show. And that's 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 very exciting to me because that's what I like to see more than anything. I mean, I love the blend of uh, rock concert and theater, and, and we're we're having a great time doing that. All right, so uh, Rainbow Around the Sun runs from October 5th through the 17th. Uh, what theater are you guys playing at? We're at the 45th Street. 45th Street Theater. theater. That's right. And that's on where? 45th, 45th Street. Street. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Around there. And for all the festival times and, you know, wonderful, you know, crazy festival schedules, they can go to your website for that information? Yes, sir. That's rainbowrockshow.com. All right, so rainbowrockshow.com, or they can also get the information at nymph.org. Yes. And so Matthew Alvin Brown and Nathan Seiler, I thank you so much for coming by and talking about your show and performing for us, and I wish you the best of luck in your run. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. On the boards. Evidently, the story of all my past girlfriends has made fodder for a new musical called My Scary Girl. Uh, a musical that's being done in Korean in the New York Musical Theater Festival, Nymph, from October 1st through October 1st or 4th. And we have got composer Will Aronson and uh, book writer, lyricist, Kyung Ye Kang here. How are you guys doing? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. Did I murder your name, Kyung Ye? Uh, you did good job. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, I didn't murder your name, but I understand people get murdered in the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a lot of people. Yeah, up to three, yeah, four. Three. Yep, many of them on stage. So. Yes. Okay, I'm pulling this with everybody here just as a, as a fun quick teaser. Uh, Will, first, you're hop on an elevator. you got 15 seconds to make your elevator pitch as to why the person you're talking to should come see My Scary Girl. Um, well... I feel like there aren't that many musicals where you can see several people get murdered, but it's also a sweet romantic comedy uh, with, you know, Korean pop ballads um, and lots of blood. I don't know. It seems like a, a fun mix to me. All right, Kyung Ye, 
15 seconds. You're on an elevator. What do you tell him to come? Uh, it's hard. <laughs> but if you want to see what happened with, like, what, what will be on the... Literally, we have kimchi fridge, but it's not... In there, there is no kimchi. But something. If you want to see it, you should come. I think this might require a little extra explanation because yeah. in America, we only have one refrigerator. But in Korea, every family has two refrigerators, one for regular food and one for kimchi. I don't know if uh, you know what kimchi no, is. No, I have no idea what Kim- kimchi is. Oh, well, so that's like... to enlighten this. Oh, well, that... It's... Well, do you want to explain it? It's like every Korean meal comes with a little bit of kimchi. It's, it's a red uh, cabbage. It's just salty, mm-hmm. but it's very tasty. It's very tasty, but it, it has a strong smell. Yes. And it also needs to be kept at a specific temperature. So that's why it gets its own special refrigerator. Okay. And, uh, and it plays a crucial role in this show. So if you want to learn a lot about kimchi fridges and what else you might find in there besides kimchi, for example, <laughs> body parts, then uh, you should come to the show. All right. So now the non-15-second pitch. W- what is My Scary Girl about? Um, you got more time. Oh, <laughs> oh, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, it's a romantic comedy between a seductive serial killer and a very naive English professor, actually, who never dated any girl before, even kissed any girl before. And he met, he meets her, and then his life just to. It, well, it changes yeah. very dramatically. Yes. First because he's in, in love for the first time in his life, uh, and then because he starts to wonder if he's dating a, a serial killer, yeah. which he is, in mm-hmm. fact. So now the musical's done entirely in Korean, correct? Yes, although uh, there are going to be two spots in the lyric where there actually is a, an English hook, <laughs> which you also hear in Korean pop music sometimes. But you, know, you could even uh, have a little quiz after the show to, if you can find the two spots that are in English. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's in Korean uh, with super titles in English. Mm-hmm. So how did, how did the show come together? How did the two of you come to collaborate on this thing? And, and, and yeah. Yeah, actually this show, um, actually there was a, a movie, the same title with, like in 2006 in Korea. And then um, there was a producer named Mr. Park and then he came to America to find a writer. And then, fortunately, I could m- meet him. So um, I started work with him. And then, uh, because Will and Will and I met in school, and uh, at the time in school time, he and I always at school. And until the building was closed, he was always practice room two, and I was in room one. So, and I thought he's a really great guy, and he worked really hard. Then, I think I'm sure we could have really great show. So, I asked him if he, I want to work with you, and he said yes. So immediately, yeah. So, is it different at all writing, composing music for a different language? I mean, in some ways it isn't, but... Sure, well, it, well, Kyung A, of course, can also write in English, and she wrote many of the songs sort of in a first English version. Um, so I'd say maybe three-quarters of the songs were written to an initial English version by Kyung A. The remaining ones, some of them were music first, um, and some of them, uh, by the time we were doing the workshop in Korea, I'd been practicing my Korean, and Kyung A, I think two, two of the songs, Italy and... Jang Mi's yeah. song were written in Korean, and then I actually wrote the music to uh, to her Korean lyrics. Mm-hmm. But uh, stylistically, it, it was, um, I guess, more of a challenge for me just to write in a pop idiom. 
because even in America, I don't really write a lot of uh, pop-style music. And my Scary Girl isn't completely pop. I mean, it's not the sort of music you could hear on the radio, but it's definitely much more in a pop idiom than anything I'd ever written. Well, before I continue, uh, you have actually, is this a concept CD? It's, it's all like packaged up and everything. Oh, that's the Korean cast album. So it's been running in Korea for about, it ran for about five months, and it's coming back uh, next year. It's a much better system over there where things don't either succeed or fail. They sort of have a limited run, and then they keep coming back for more limited runs. Uh, And you can even tweak it when it's in the off-season, so you can keep making the show better over many years. All right, well, we're going to play a song here from that cast album. Do you want to maybe set up this first song that we're going to play? Is this a tough and rough? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they'll be nice for um, English speakers here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of the examples of a song that's, uh, while the verse is in Korean, the chorus is in English. Yeah. And it's, uh, do, do you want to describe the situation a little? It's just uh, like um, how to hook up with girls kind of situation. <laughs> this is, yeah, the main character, Daewoo, the, the naive English professor, um, has a best friend, Sung-shik, who's actually, you know, a real womanizer. We don't know if he's actually successful, but he t- certainly talks a lot about it. And this is his advice to Daewoo. All right. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Korean-speaking listeners are, like, really excited right now. <laughs> and the other's got a nice melody and, and music and tune. 
So, um, what have been the challenges in getting this ready for for Nymph? Uh, and was there any discussion as to whether or not you're going to revert to the English version or keep it versus keeping it Korean? Yeah, that that was a discussion. Um, in this case, because we have a cast, a great cast in Korea, who knew the whole show, uh, who'd been performing it for months, uh, it seemed like a natural choice to sort of have them perform like. You know, essentially the real version of the show. Are they all coming over here? They're coming over, yeah. Okay. Of course, they're arriving three days before the first performance, so uh, it's going to be a fast rehearsal process. But they should be kind of up to it, right? Sure. Oh, I think so. <laughs> they're, they're fantastic. Um, but the band will actually be new. We're uh, yeah. assembling a band here in New York. And sort then, of. Yeah, and then also the music will be so much different from the Korean um, version. Oh yeah, well because we're actually at we're expanding the band for Nymph. That in Korea it's piano, bass and drums and on the cast album also a guitar, but uh here we'll have two string players as well. So were there any like crazy logistics to hurdles to get the whole cast over here to perform? Probably. We don't know that much about. I don't really know how this happened, but I guess Mr. Park is flying them over. It's some partnership between Nymph and the Korean version Dimph. There's actually a, a, Korean a Korean nymph called Dimph, yeah. the Daegu International Music Festival. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually a, a partnership now where this is the first Korean show they're bringing over. But I guess there's going to be a prize to bring an American show yes, there. Next year. Next year, okay. But, but the details, I mean, yeah. we don't even really find out that much about what went into bringing the people here. Yeah, not yet. They, I, don't, I don't think they decided. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, which they're going to bring yeah. next year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so we're going to play another song here from your cast recording. Do you want to set up this next song? So this is Watermelon. Watermelon. Do you want to... Uh... Yeah. Uh, this is a um, situation like Daewoo, the naive English professor, um, is like kind of around her all the time to uh, get close to her. But um, it's kind of hard. And then finally he succeeds. And then actually that day, the Mina... Um, kill somebody and <laughs> she has to hide it uh, but oh, I yeah so this is when Hong Yu basically think, yeah. you know Daewoo is becoming interested in her and suddenly she gets a visit from one of her ex-boyfriends you know and she's already killed several of them so we know this is probably not a good thing and sure enough he comes in and is really treating her badly you know, even just walks into her shower to just start you know taking a shower tells her to cut up a watermelon you know and she's got a big knife to cut up the watermelon <laughs> and uh She's trying to stop herself from killing killing him, basically. So she sings her, this is sort of Kyung-hae's concept for it, that she tries to sing her almost, sing herself sort of a, a calm lullaby, almost like a children's song yeah. to, okay, They're just cut the right. watermelon. But, you know, she keeps hearing him singing his song in the shower while he's washing himself, and she gets more and more angry. And then I yeah. guess we shouldn't give away what happens, but you can probably tell when you hear the song. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a listen. 집에서 하는 샤워 참말로 날 짜릿하게 해 앙탈 부려서 매력 있는 미나는 날 빠져들게 해 So, 
I think the lesson I'm going to take away from this is if you've got an unstable girlfriend, don't sing in the shower. I, I think that's a good lesson to take from this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So My Scary Girl runs from October 1st through October 4th at the New York Musical Theater Festival. And for all the you know crazy you know festival times and scheduling, uh, they can go to nymph.org. But you do have a, your own website, correct? Yes. Uh, the Musical Heaven. That's the name of the production company, Musical Heaven. <laughs> Very respected in Korea. Um, they have a website called myscarygirl.com. And, uh, and it's entirely in Korean. So, so for those of you who speak Korean or are looking to expand... You're, you find interesting websites to increase your knowledge of the Korean language. This would be a good place to go, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and hopefully the whole cast arrives all safe and sound and, and ready to perform. Uh, Will Aronson and Kyung Ye Kang, I thank you so much for stopping by the program, and best of luck. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks so much. On the boards. Three reporters head down to a mythological country in Central America and get involved in the local politics. That's the conceit for the new musical Under Fire, which is based on the 1983 movie and is playing this year at Nymph from September 30th through October 12th. we got a great group of people here to talk about the show. Barry Harmon is the book writer and lyricist, and you may know him as the Tony-nominated writer for Romance Romance. We've also got Grant Sturiali, the composer, and James DePaiva, the actor who is uh, coming off of a very long stint on One Life to Live on daytime television. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? Great. <laughs> you guys want to introduce yourselves quick so they can connect your names with your voices? Grant Storiali, composer. Barry Harmon, author and director. Jim DePaiva, actor looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> and he even sounds like a reporter. <laughs> That's why we cast him. Desperation. All right. So really quick, I'm, I'm doing this with everybody. you got a 15-second elevator pitch to convince people why they should see, come see the show. Barry. It's a compelling story, uh, terrific music, all set in the uh, Latin mode, and uh, it's about things that could be ripped from today's headlines. All right. Grant. It's a political thriller. It's got a very exciting story, a very fast-moving plot, great characters, and great music. If I say so myself. <laughs> well, I agree with you. So. Okay. All right. And Jim DePaiva. I don't know what to add to that. It's phenomenal. I mean, I just heard the first reading and the music straight through yesterday, and I was, I was breathtaking. It was, it's just a stunning musical. You know what you missed? It always gets people in the theater, young, hot, nude people. 
Right. We have a couple of those. <laughs> yes, we just don't like to push I, that first. I, I think we cut the nudity, didn't we? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> All right, so now you got a little bit more time here, not the 15-second limit. What is Under Fire? It's a story about a journalist who has a choice to make, uh, whether he can uh, take a picture that is going to change the course of a revolution in Central America. And it's all about journalistic integrity and also American involvement in politics. There's journalistic integrity? There used to be. (laughs) It's an old show. Yes. (laughs) It's set in the past, before the internet. I'm scared when, uh, you know, the, the Daily Show with Jon Stewart is considered the most... Uh, Couldn't you know. agree more with you. That's why we're writing this musical. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the impetus? What, what made you guys uh, get behind this show and, and decide to convert this movie? We were uh, looking for a piece uh, set in Latin America because uh, we both really enjoy that kind of music. It's uh, very infectious and tuneful, and we thought, wouldn't it be great if we could have a score like that in service of a great story. There are other infectious things in in Central America, too. Yeah, but at the time, Grant had had a Cuban girlfriend at the time, so that was part of the reason. He was trying to impress her. Exactly. It didn't work. That wasn't another one of the infectious things from from Central America, was it? No, no, there was no infection, as far as I know. So what was the process then, Get, getting the rights? I imagine there is a bit uh, We of a... had to get the rights. They had uh, devolved to the original screenplay writer, uh, Clayton Froman. Uh, well, that who, makes it a little easier, probably. Yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, he co-wrote the screenplay with Ron Shelton, who went on to do Bull Durham and other um, famous movies. And uh, Clayton just had a new movie called Defiance, Defiance. which was out this past year. And uh, Clay was very excited to uh, have this, his movie, his story, be developed into a musical. And uh, we started writing and realized that the Latin score just grew by leaps and bounds. Uh, We were writing all kinds of different types of songs with a Latin background. And I had been interested in uh, Latin music since I was a kid. My mom used to book entertainment, and uh, we went to a uh, beach club out in Long Island, and Tito Puente, who was a very famous band leader, used to play there every weekend. And so I grew up with Latin music hearing it and was excited as a lyricist to be exploring that. All right. Well, since you're talking all about the music, maybe we should take a listen to one of the songs from the demo before we go on. Sounds like a good idea. You want to set up the first song we're going to play here? Uh, Fuel the Fire. Fuel the Fire takes place in a uh, dance club, um, and it's a piece of entertainment, but it also reflects uh, kind of a cautionary uh, statement about the play. Uh, Be careful of being seduced by these rhythms and... uh, the poetry of the revolution. It's a microcosm for the show, basically. Um, it has fun with it at the same time, but it's telling you, watch out or you get burned, which is what happens in the show for the main characters. All right, let's take a listen. Careful, amigo, chico, cuidado, watch out. Let the melody unfold you All your life you want to sing along Let yourself be drawn into the music Like a moth is drawn into a flame Once you feel the fire in our music Your life will never be the same Fire, 
music Hear the soft lament of our guitars Once you feel the poetry and passion You'll be dancing up among the stars Let yourself be drawn into the music Get into the rhythm as it plays Once you feel the fire in our music You'll want to set the world So, Jim, 17 years on One Life to Live, correct? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Did you sing on One Life to Live all the time? Uh, I sang a few times, actually. Really? Yeah, but it's a, it's, it's a very different kind of thing. I mean, I used to play in bands when I was young, but they usually gave me the songs that someone had to scream so I couldn't talk at the end of the night. So, uh, you know, I did a few musicals early on. I actually have not done a musical in about 30 years. Wow. So I have actually spent the last five years working on my voice so that I can give these guys hopefully something to work with. Uh, He's giving us a lot, and it's uh, you know it's I got that TV voice thing that was happening before, and it just it was not serving me. And theater's my love, and I can't tell you I couldn't be more excited about a, a, a my debut in New York in a musical to be in the show because the music is stunning, and I can't tell you we had a first read through sing through yesterday, and. The voices are spectacular. I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. And I feel the show has so much more impact than the film had. I love the film, but something about the way this is done, having it on stage, I think it's more visceral, and I think it just, it's just going to affect people more. And the, and the music, they're gonna, it's, it's a show you're going to walk out singing the music, which for me is a pretty rare thing anymore. It's a good thing because this is the nymph. You can't go and singing the scenery. <laughs> yeah. So when did you start with One Life to Live? Uh, January 1987. Okay, so that was, was that still during, were you like hoping you'd have like the Rick Springfield, Jack Wagner? There was that whole slew of soap stars no, no, that turned no, no. into pop stars. Yeah, but in you notice they were all on General Hospital. That was there a, was one of them that was who a glory did Rock Monty On. I, I can't even remember his name, but I think he was. Uh, he, was he was, uh, oh God, he played Danny on Young and the Restless. It was a whole big <laughs> 70s thing. Everybody had their mullets. And, uh, did you have uh, a mullet? Yes, I did. Actually, looked more like a raccoon. Uh, that was before the hair started going, too. Uh, it, it, was, it was really a, a general hospital thing. And my explanation for that was, one, you were really going for a teen audience with that show because it came on at 3 o'clock when the kids came home 
from school. So you could you could create a pop idol at that time. One Life to Live for me was the premier soap to get on because I thought I had the most phenomenal actors. And it had such great stage actors. I got to work with people like Awful Fugard. And I mean, you're going, what's he doing on a soap? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I didn't realize he did a soap. <laughs> he did soaps. He did, I did myself. You know, we had Lane Stritch. Yeah, I mean, it, virtually, it, when I first came on, we called the show One Life to Miz. Because we had the entire cast of Les Miserables, other than the two leads on the show. We had a South American story going on. So, and Barry, what have you been working on since your big Tony nomination with Romance, Romance? Uh, Under fire, obviously, but... uh, That's one thing. Um, I'm a writer for TV for many, many years. I began my career writing for Carol Burnett and then shows like All in the Family and the Jeffersons. I've continued to do that. I did a lot of children's television. You continue to write for All in the Family and the Jeffersons? Because those shows I I continue writing, hoping they're going to bring them back, actually. (laughs) I live on it hope. (laughs) He's got a pile of scripts ready. Exactly. But when it comes back, I'll be ready. Carol O'Connor's gone, but that's okay. Um, And several other musicals that I'm working on. And and Grant, I, I didn't like preface you with a big credit, so <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that's okay. Uh, Barry Harmon and I wrote a show called Olympus on My Mind in the late '80s, and uh, I most recently, I guess, was uh, I was conductor, music director at Radio City Music Hall for about ten years. That's all. Uh, that's that's not a bad gig. Not a bad gig uh, with <laughs> with uh, with our producer John Benani, who's sitting right behind you. Uh, John was the executive producer of the Christmas show, so that's and they're still talking. And we're still speaking. So, uh, in fact, that's how I knew him, and I called him and asked him if he would get involved. And uh, to my delight, he did, and uh, that's why we're able to do this. All right. Before we continue, want to play another song from your uh, demo here? This second song is called "Follow Me." It's uh, the end of the first act, and uh, uh, the head of the rebels is trying to convince. The, uh, one of the photographers, one of the journalists, uh, to phony a picture to make a picture of the dead rebel leader look as though he's alive. And that's a, a big threat to his journalistic integrity, and she uses this song to convince him. All right, let's take a listen.
Okay, so there's obviously a lot of experience in this room right now. And and with all that experience, I'm kind of curious. What made you decide to choose Nymph as as the vehicle to... They sort of chose us. Um, I had been introduced to Isaac Hurwitz and uh, went into talk to him about several projects. And I just happened to mention, did you have anything about Nicaragua this year? And he didn't. So I said, well, you should read this one. <laughs> they did last year. No, that was Cuba. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No Nicaragua. I thought it was pretty safe. And uh, as soon as they read it, they said uh, they wanted us to do it. And um, crazily, we said yes. <laughs> So I I have a different question. When when a lot of artists are young, it's a lot. It seems to be very easy to get a lot of people wanting to bootstrap and contribute in. When you guys have the experience that you have, is it a different thing going out and getting everybody to be involved on a, a lower budget showcase presentation? Uh, it's often harder because they expect to be working in a different kind of atmosphere than what Nymph is. But what's been terrific about this is uh, we put the script out there for people to read and then score, and the response was terrific in terms of uh, auditions. And um, John, our producer, can be very persuasive of getting people to work for nothing. <laughs> and we are. And, um, but basically, we've, we have a terrific group of people who will work on this. And we basically, 40 people have worked on this musical already, and most of them are working for about 10 weeks on it for virtually no money just because they believe in the project. So it's been very exciting, and, and John's been terrific in that spearheading that. All right, so any parting shots you'd like to get out here? Buy tickets, come mm -hmm. see our show, be prepared to dance and to be blown out of your seats. Uh, absolutely come. Uh, there are six performances. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, it's got a great script, and uh, please come. And Jim? I I'd say come see it now so when it's on Broadway you can say, I saw it back when. <laughs> we knew there was one reason we brought you along. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Under Fire is September 30th through October 12th, and you can get tickets and find out all the, the crazy festival schedule of, of those performances at nymph.org. And uh, I hope you guys have a, a great run here and wish the best of luck, and thanks so much for coming down and talking with us here at Broadway Bullet. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thank you. On the boards. We had the diet monologues on in 2007. You can search and still find it up. And now that show has turned into a full book musical called Lighter, now playing at the New York Musical Theater Festival from October 5th through October 17th. And we've got writer Monica Bauer and actor Willie Falk here to talk about this hefty production. How are you guys doing? Hey, Michael. Hi. <laughs> All right. So I'm starting this off. Everybody has to do this. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Willie. Your 15-second elevator pitch. Got somebody on an elevator, 15 seconds to tell them what, why they should come see the show. I am playing a satanic diet doctor with my own TV show called American Weight Loss Idol. And uh, I would describe my character as a cross between... Is this more than 15 seconds? Sure. I would describe my character... <laughs> the guy just got off on the floor. He's yeah. like, yeah, I see you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to the penthouse. Uh, I would describe my character as a cross between uh, Richard Simmons, Dr. Phil, and Joan Crawford. All right. And that explains why you fit through the, the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Monica, your 15-second elevator pitch. Why should people come see Lighter? People should come see Lighter because they will laugh and they will feel lighter when they leave. And it's the story of a plus-size couple on the rocky road to self-acceptance. How's that? That sounds good. <laughs> hey, I'm going to stay in the elevator. 
<laughs> well, you know, as a writer, I have to pitch a lot more often than Willie. Willie just has to show up and be fabulous, and people people are love, lovely and, and adore him. But I actually have to convince people to put my work on. How do you know so much about my life? That's what, exactly what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to sell yourself at all, do you, uh, Willie? Just show up and be fabulous. <laughs> So what was the process? What was the decision to change the Diet Monologues, the musical, into a more full-fledged book show? Well, actually, uh, what happened is that we had a very successful run as an equity showcase in 2007, and it was a musical review at the time. So it was about the topic, and it was monologue, song, monologue, song. And and we had a producer who got excited about it, a reputable off-Broadway guy who shall remain nameless, God bless him, who said, I would produce this if you could turn this into a book musical. Whereupon I went to work and he disappeared. God bless him. We love him. Uh, but he didn't... Like poof or just well, lost interest? He, he, disappe- <laughs> he disappeared into other projects right. and as often happens, um, money never really appeared. But I got the idea from this guy who was all excited to do it and said, you know, you should really create a book musical. And so then I began to work on it. And then um, in 2008, I sent this to the York, and Jeff Landsman over there gave us the opportunity to have a staged reading. So that went up December of 2008, and that was the first time we had a full book musical. That was the first time we had a plot and an arc and characters that we loved and all that. And the problem with that is that we had 30 great minutes of a two-hour musical in December 2008, and we went back to work. But I have a very talented creative team that I work with, Craig George, who's a wonderful director. This is our fourth project together. We're sort of like artistically married now. He's great. Uh, His partner doesn't need to be jealous, but we're artistically married, Craig and I. And uh, we found Brent Allen Huffman when we did the 2008 stage reading at the York. And Brent Allen Huffman is a tremendously talented music director and arranger, does a lot of work with Alan Menken, and is slated to be the music director for Leap of Faith. So that was a tremendous find. So the three of us have been together since that reading at the York, and we kept working on it and sent it into Nymph, and here we are. All right. Well, before we go further, you have a demo here. Do you want to play a song from this to set up this first song we're going to play? Sure. And what you're going to hear is the wonderfully talented Eleanor Thomas from the 2007 Diet Monologues, the musical. And this is a song that in the review was sung by a woman and in the show is sung by a man. So this is Eleanor Thomas singing, I can't find a seat for my seat. And the wonderful pianist there is Carl Hahn. All right. Let's take a listen. My poor ass is used to being smashed. My tush is used to being squished. On transportation around the nation, I can't find a seat for my seat. I must seethe because I cannot breathe. I'm pale because I can't inhale. On transportation around the nation, I can't find a seat for my seat. Squeezing next to me is this angry bony knee as if I could have lost weight but I loaded my plate just so I could aggravate oh yes it's true I gained weight to bother you you think that I'm having fun as I sit on one bun I can't wait till this flight is done I walk past them in first class there's 
not if you're poor. It's frustration around the nation. I can't find a seat for my seat. Not for my, not for my seat. All right. So, Willie, uh, what, what was it that attracted you to this project in the show? Well, it's kind of interesting the way that uh, I came to be associated with the show. Uh, I went in to talk to my agent, Gary Epstein. He had a meeting with him. That's good. I had a meeting with him. <laughs> now he's a great guy. And I said, Gary, I want to audition for something, and I want to be funny. I want to do a comedy role. And uh, he said, "You're not funny." He, I said, <laughs> "I said all my friends think I'm hysterical." And his friends are right. He's very funny. <laughs> and he said, "I happen to have a script on my desk." And there's this part in it of Dr. Dan, and they're doing it at the Nymph Festival. What if I try to get you an audition? And that's how it happened. So what about the show? Is it the real? What are, then once you got the script and looked at it? <laughs> it's, he's really off the hook. That's what, it's, it's a really funny character, and he's, um, he's crazy. He's, uh, it's, a, it's sort of a backstage musical once you get into it. There's a, it's a love story, and uh, there are two... Um, Diet-crossed lovers. Diet-crossed lovers. And uh, she sort of embarks on this journey to lose weight for her wedding dress because she wants to fit into a size 6 wedding dress. Am I right, Monica? An absolutely, totally beautiful size 6 wedding dress. The dress of her dreams. And somehow she ends up on this show, American Weight Loss Idol, where people sing and lose weight at the same time. Couldn't happen. I mean... There's show already shows like Dance Your Ass Off and uh, The Biggest Loser and... <laughs> so this is Sing Your Ass Off. <laughs> Many have tried, but it's never really happened. Um, when this television, like, weight loss reality show craze kind of hit, did, did you think you're, like, onto something here with the show you were already working on? Or, well, or? I, I sort of knew that I was onto something because every woman in America wakes up and weighs herself. I mean, really, we have a national obsession with this thing. And you go to any newspaper and there's an article every day. If you go to those awful women's magazines, they can't survive without diets. They, they have a diet of diets. <laughs> so, yeah, this is something that's in the zeitgeist. It's in the culture, and it hurts a lot of people. So I wanted to, to write a show that had a lot of fun, a lot of singing, a lot of dancing, a lot of fun, laugh, 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 laugh. And then let's talk just for a moment about how we need to feel good about ourselves. So that's what the show does. And uh, if it wasn't funny, Willie wouldn't do it because Willie was looking for funny. And I'm just grateful he read the script and loved it. So. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not a good diet doctor. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm hawking all kinds of horrible products like the slenderizing tea that sucks the fat out of you that we find has all kinds of horrible ingredients in it. And uh, then when Connie, uh, played by Deirdre Friel, who's uh, fantastic, uh, when she starts losing weight, I market a Connie weight loss doll. You press a button on it and it loses three dress sizes. <laughs> And it's marketed to little girls and has evil messages about, oh, I am not happy because I'm so fat. Help me lose my thunder thighs, Dr. Dan. Yeah. And then the, the thin doll says things like, everyone loves me since I lost weight. Yeah, I'm not a good diet doctor. <laughs> All right, you want to set up the next song here for me to demo we're going to play? 
Well, again, what we have is a gender bender thing because in the 2007 uh, diet monologues, this was sung by a woman, and now it's being sung by a man. And I don't want to give people the impression that we just recycled all the songs there. These are the, really the only two songs that come from that show. But you'll hear Low Carb Lady Blues, which in our musical is sung by a guy. And uh, But it's the same problem. It's the idea of having a diet-crossed lover. What do you do if the way you eat makes you a diet felon to your significant other? So you'll hear Ama Osei uh, doing this, and it's the low-carb lady blues when she does it. All right, let's take a listen. There's a high-carb fella who has stolen my heart. Sliced it, diced it, filleted it apart. I'm a low carb lady, and he's a high carb man. He's a sweet. As equal, but more splendid than splendor. God, my soul, world wrapped in his splendor. I'm a low carb lady, and he's a high carb man. His skin is so soft, like freshly baked bread.
So Lighter is playing at Nymph from October 5th through October 17th. And uh, for all the crazy festival scheduling, uh, do you have a website of your own that they can go to for information? Absolutely. LighterTheMusical.com. Come. All right. So LighterTheMusical.com, or they can also go to Nymph.org to get the information. Any other parting shots you guys would like to get out really quick before we wrap up? Well, we have a tremendous cast, and we're very proud to have Willie Falk with us because he's our genuine Tony nominee. So we hope that this all rubs off for, for the whole cast. But we've got great people, Deirdre Friel. We have Eric Leviton. Uh, we have the wonderful Cicely Daniels playing the mm-hmm. very sexy Lulu. Uh, and uh, Marguerite Wilbanks from Beauty and the Beast doing an incredibly funny nutrition nun. So uh, come and, and get lighter. That's right. <laughs> and I'm going to apologize right here, really, but I want to ask our, make sure our audience members understand. I get very little, actually no prep time with all these nymph interviews that I do. So what were you Tony nominated for? Because I'm sure that's going to inspire some people to... Um, I was the original Chris in Miss Saigon, in the original company Miss Saigon, uh, the, a Marine. I can I, definitely see why you're looking for a comedy, but I love <laughs> Miss Saigon. It is one of my top five musicals. So Thank you. It was a great experience. So, and, but, you know, you don't have to sing to do Chris, so how do you handle a musical? I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. We love him. All right. So, Monica Bauer, thank you so much for stopping by. Willie Falk, thanks, thanks for coming by and for tackling a comedy. On the board. A composer's autistic son inspired the next musical, Max Understood, which is playing at the Nymph Festival from September 28th through October 7th. An autistic soundscape experiential musical extravaganza, I think, is something that the, the book co lyricist Nancy Carlin was telling. <laughs> and she's here today to talk about the show along with actor Michael Winther. How are you guys doing? Great. Good. All right. So the first thing is. 15-second elevator pitch. Michael, you're on an elevator with somebody. you got 15 <laughs> seconds to convince them why they should come see the show. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't think I was going to be the one to start. Uh, well, um, I think it's great because it's really different from, I think, the other offerings of Nymph, from what, I've under- what I understand, um, in that it's not a traditional musical. It's more of a, kind of a soundscape avant-garde kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yet, that doesn't mean it's not accessible or interesting to see. Also, I just think it's incredibly evocative and beautiful. Um, it's very moving to me. I have, I have several friends who have um, children on the autism spectrum, so for me it was a kind of a labor of love to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also a lot of humor in it. Um, anyone who's been around uh, children with autism or Asperger's syndrome, there's a lot of humor mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes on the yeah. other side of it. Um, and it's a great cast. I mean... The I'll guy go- got off a few floors ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And now you're autistically yes. mumbling to yourself. That's true, yeah. We're, we're yeah, all on true. the spectrum. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get into the long discussion, but the 15-second pitch. Okay, Nancy. Um, f- 15-second pitch. As we said, a family extravaganza, avant-garde. How often do you hear those words together? Um, this is a, uh, entertaining and uh, different and moving and will um, bring you, uh, open a door into a world that many of us have never experienced and others 
uh, are experiencing more and more. Is he gone yet? Is he out of the elevator? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Down to the floor. This is, we've got to practice this. No, I don't think we do. The, okay. <laughs> now, if we were in Hollywood, that would be yeah, uh, the log line. Uh, yeah, would I don't be know. Work on the autis- autism, the musical. Yeah, no, that's the name of a documentary, which is actually... A great documentary, yeah. yeah. It's been the Sixth Sense meets... Yes. Uh, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a Rain Man meets... So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so now, now, not limited to 15 seconds. What, what, what is Max is understood? What, what's, what is this, the story here? Well, um, it's a story of uh, mom and dad and their son, Max, and... Uh, it's kind of a day in the life of this family, and yet very unusual things happen. And he, uh, we get a sense of living with a child with autism from the beginning of the play uh, in a very uh, tactile and, uh, uh, in, a, in a way, uh, you, the play begins with just Max, uh, the overture, as it were, as a kind of sound, um, sound effects, uh, well, the, the the composer is a sound designer as well as a composer, so he's um, a lot of the pieces tracked. So we, as a, the singer actors, are working with. Um, there's music, but there's also all sorts of different sounds from the boy's life, the way he would hear it. So you're sort of getting a um, you know inside view. I think Michael Raspberry, the composer, was trying to evoke what he imagines his son's life is inside his head. Mm-hmm. And um, that is really fascinating to be in, mm-hmm. and um, as well as getting inside maybe the heads of these the, the parents living with this sure, and their frustrations, sure. and, and then yeah, and then Max ends up leaving, yeah. uh, kind of sneaking out of the house unintentionally. He just right, decides he to leave, by. and he slips by his parents, and he goes out and has these adventures yes. with crazy people like Everett yeah, Quinton. Well, <laughs> Everett Quinton plays Homunculus Jones, otherwise known as Monk, and. Um, the, the leaf blower dude, who's a source of uh, an annoying sound in their lives, the leaf blower, becomes a, a kind of opposite. He becomes Max's sort spirit of a guide. Suburban and, shaman. Yes. Because you know, <laughs> they're all over the place. Um, and then there are these three neighborhood kids, uh, played by Trisha Burns, um, Ramis Monsev, mm-hmm. and um, Ali Stoke, Stoker. Stoker. And then the kid is played by Marlon Sherman, and he's he's amazing. He's uh, how he's old got is a, he? He's got a Broadway resume at age nine. You know, he's know. Been, <laughs> been in Mary Poppins, totally. and Beauty and the Beast. And the guy's gonna be running this town soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's what nine or yeah, something? Yeah, he just started fifth grade. Yeah. So and, he's he's amazing. And then the director we have is uh, David Schweitzer, who's a kind of warrior art warrior from the avant-garde and downtown scene, but he's also done lots of yeah, different lots of. Things we and he and I worked together on a piece called "Songs from an Unmade Bed," which we did at New York Theater Workshop, um, just like several years ago. Mm-hmm. And there's a CD CD on um, yes. uh, Ghostlight Records. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, he also directed my husband Howard Swain in a production piece called with, Horizon with Rindy Eckert that was at New York right, Theater Workshop. Right. We did a is, piece mm-hmm. God created great whales. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I mean, this is definitely, as I said, not your. Uh, it'll be a nice um, kind of sorbet. Comp- between the other nymph things because uh-huh. it's going to be very different and it's also it's Meaty also not very sorbet. long yeah well <laughs> but it's uh it's dense you know <laughs> here we go but, um, well maybe so, we should hear an example of uh of this music soundscape uh, yeah let's 
Want to set up this first song the we're going to play? The first piece is um, we've just seen Max experience this a kind of cacophony of sounds and seen how even though he's very he seems quite blissed and happy, the sounds stress him out and get him stimming, which is a word uh, used with autism, a kind of overstimulation. And then after that, he comes back down and he picks up his toy, which is a, we call, a president's machine that has buttons. You press pictures of different presidents and it gives you facts about the presidents. And this begins the play with Max pressing this machine and you can hear it becomes our uh, entree into the scene with the parents. All right, let's take a listen. Welcome to an interactive visit with the U.S. presidents. Press any button to begin. Clearly, not the typical musical that's been going on. Some interesting stuff there. Now, the composer, I, I, I kind of introed this with you said that this mm-hmm. was actually inspired by the composer's actual son, mm-hmm. and we talked about this. From your perspective, how, as a book writer, co-lyricist, mm-hmm. how, how was it for you trying to communicate and get across something kind of very specific and very personal to him? Well, it's been, I mean, it's it's been a labor of love. We met three years ago working on a play I was directing that Michael did um, c- composing for a Twelfth Night. And he would tell me stories about his son and things that he would say, and I thought that was so sort of poetic. And it's he would sample things, you know, phrases from television and, what you know, Pee Wee and SpongeBob and use them in a way to communicate. And I thought as a kind of writer and poet that, that it's just so interesting that's, kind of sampling, collage Dada-ish, dare I say, kind of way of communicating. And um, so I, I went into this project not knowing a lot about autism, and in the last three years we've been working have, have come uh, to experience that. I know about being a parent. I have two daughters, teenage daughters. And, um, so it's been a lot of back and forth. We, we share every, sort of every word and every music Michael and I really collaborate on together. 
All right. Well, should we play another song here from the from the demo? Uh, yeah. So when when Max slips out, he meets these three kids in the neighborhood who are kind of typical. That maybe thinking he's weird. You know, who's the kid on the little school bus? And he gets he gets kind of barraged by them because he doesn't respond normally or look at them, and they start attacking him. Uh, which is a song called Kids in Cars, not what we're about to play. And then that's when this shaman spirit guide leaf blower kind of magically saves Max from running into the street there. But he, uh, but then Max revisits each three of these kids he's met, and they are obs- uh, become manifestations of Max's obsession, like Pegasus and Einstein, uh, mermaids. Uh, so this is the first kid he re-meets, Peg, who now is... Pegasus, and she comes back on. She's doing the laundry, but then suddenly has wings. And this is her song. It's called Dream. All right. Sung by the composer Michael Raspberry. Oh, yeah. In this piece, it's sung, it's demoed by Michael Raspberry. All right.
Great. Well, certainly autism has been, you know, gaining more and more buzz in the news recently. So, you know, maybe that will also contribute to, you know, audience interest mm -hmm. in Max Understood and what's going on. And again, this plays from September 28th through October 7th. And uh, they can go to the Nymph website, nymph.org, to get information on the crazy festival scheduling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then go to Max Understood on that, yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, is there any other parting shots you'd like to get out here before we wind down? Well, it's, just, it's really great to be here in New York and working on this piece with this amazing group of artists. And it's been a great process because we're also, uh, you know, it's in process. We're making a lot of changes during the rehearsal process as well. So it's not this, it's kind of a living organism. Yeah, we're still absolutely developing this piece. We yeah. were, um, we've had two workshops. We were at the O'Neill last summer at the Eugene O'Neill National Music Theater Conference, which was our second workshop and very inspiring. And then now this is our first, you know, small production of it. And we're looking forward to the the audience. Yes. Seeing. Also, one person I didn't mention is the person who plays my wife. Yes. So if I don't say, <laughs> I mention her, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. And Mary Mossberg plays my wife, and yes. she's amazing. They get a divorce before the show. Yes. Totally. <laughs> it's not Watch going well. <laughs> but hey, and thank you for doing these podcasts. Yeah. It's amazing that you do it. So Great. thanks for supporting this kind of work. All right. so. I, I love doing it. All right. Nancy Carlin and Michael Winther. Again, thanks so much for coming by, and best of luck with Max Understood. Thanks. Thanks. Curtain Call. Well, that wraps up Volume 321 of our Broadway Bullet Special Nymph Episode Part 3. Next week, we will be concluding with our fourth part, having five more musicals on it, and we've got two more live performances coming up in that episode, I know, so... Uh, be on the lookout for that. Again, the New York Musical Theater Festival runs from September 28th through October 18th. You can find out more information on any of the shows at nymf.org. Once again, thanks for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and see you next week. The hairs went up on the back of my neck. The Broadway Bullet! It's a thrilling moment. With Dove, so shouldn't audition come up? We are so ready and raring. So Jake Kapsky says my name and I'm in the can. So actually, the bar fade thing comes from my whole life. People just going vulture, boggler. So it didn't take much though when you proposed. Um, Unpackage those things with the audience and explore them a little bit. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And if that isn't enough, 
We've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans, if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.